Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden right here in New York City. And the Democrats will have you believe that everything they're saying is the truth and that everything that you've ever believed in your life is a lie. Crazy week so far. So we've got Trump signing executive orders going over the head of Congress. Then shots fired as the president gets rushed out of the press briefing room. And overnight, Black Lives Matter has fired. They've ousted their very first police chief. They've pushed for defunding to the point that it's cut the salary of the first black woman police chief in Seattle. Chief Carmen Best resigned today over defunding of police. She tweeted, quote, the council gave us one point six million to hire the best, brightest and most diverse. Now they want me to lay off a hundred of those officers. I can't do that. End quote. Listen, she's just keeping it real. She's put on her best face and she says that she has full confidence in Chief Diaz and that what they're going through is just a rough spot. I think she was both respectful and professional. She held on to her integrity. Listen to this. And it certainly isn't about, you know, the demonstrators. I mean, be real. I have a lot thicker skin than that. It really is about the overarching lack of respect for the officers. Much respect to Chief Best. I think she was in a really, really rough spot. Meanwhile... The same people that are tearing apart Seattle, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, activists, anarchists are still at it. And now they're saying that, listen, it's okay to loot a Gucci store because that's reparations and people need to eat. I'm thinking to myself, shoot, I eat a lot. Yo soy medio gordito. I'm on the chubby side and I'm not robbing any Gucci stores. What's good with that? Listen to this. I don't care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike, because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That's reparations. That is reparations. Anything they want to take, take it, because these businesses have insurance. They're going to get their money back. My people aren't getting anything. The radical left has always been a fringe element. The problem is it's no longer a fringe. It's encroaching into the mainstream. It's encroaching into the middle, the center. There's always been people that said, oh, I'm a moderate, I'm a centrist. You didn't know which side they were on. But as the radical side has encroached so much from the left, everybody that's left of center is now becoming indistinguishable from their fringe counterparts. Now, some of you might say, well, Rich, that's not fair because there's a lot of lunatics on the right. There may be some lunatics on the right. But when was the last time you saw somebody burning a cross, wearing a white hood? I can tell you there's none of that going on around here. Not even the the mainstream media covers stories like that because they're just those things are few and far between. But riots under the guise of peaceful protests, those are all over the place, extremely ubiquitous. 
And that's the problem. America's losing its way. I mean, this is to the point where all of this defund the police stuff, which is to allow the left to continue to make their noise, to continue to use fire, literally fire, to create a smokescreen, to create a shiny object, to ingrain into your mind that they are burning things down. This stuff has gotten so bad that an 11-year-old girl got jumped in New York City yesterday. The cops were called, and when they showed up, rolling deep, it had to be at least a dozen or 15 of them, they were met by a crowd three times the size with people from building windows above, throwing water bottles, throwing soda cans, throwing anything they could. I'm not sure if they were frozen or not, but there was a lot of liquid and a lot of bottles flying. And all you saw was this cop backing up, then the next cop backing up, then the entire group of cops just retreating because... The crowd prevented them from getting to the 11-year-old girl that was getting beat, who was eventually transported to the hospital by an ambulance. Children continue to suffer because of the lawlessness of Joe Biden's supporters, the lawlessness of Bernie Sanders' supporters, the absolute locura, all-out craziness of AOC all-out crazy supporters. These people that support all of these Democrat Socialists of America candidates These are the same people that are out in the streets attacking the cops, attacking humanity, burning stuff down, throwing rocks, throwing bottles. I don't want to be repetitious of the news that you get every single day, but this is what's happening. And now the police reform that they've created, Black Lives Matter, is they've fired their very first African-American woman police chief in Seattle. I think it's just insane. What do you think? Let me know. Hit me up on Instagram or Facebook at Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S and also on Twitter at Rich Valdez with an S. Now, over in Chicago, Mayor Lightfoot says, don't bait us. She snaps at a reporter for asking why there's been no consequences for the previous arrestees. And he's saying that ultimately this encourages looting. So, of course, she claps back at him when the reporter asks about the lack of consequences in the looting that took place following the George Floyd riots. And the reporter asks her, quote, it almost sounds as though you were saying the reason we have this is the courts and the prosecutors were not doing their job, that they were going too easy on the looters from the last time around. Is that my understanding? He's trying to clarify in a question to Superintendent David Brown. But Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she had her own response to that question. Check this out. Don't, don't take it from me. Just go by what's been done. I'm just asking I don't, I don't want to do a job for you, but just go by what's been done. There, was, there were no consequences for and, and, the Greg, people arrested. Greg, let's be clear. I mean, and don't bait us, okay? No, I, I'm just, is, no, I, I was don't, asked don't, to ask Do not court. bait us. Don't, do not bait us. This is a serious situation. People are concerned about their safety. Officers are concerned about their safety, so don't bait us. What we're saying is, as a result of what happened last night, there have to be consequences. We've got teams of people that are aggressively out there identifying the people responsible, looking at the the plates, and we're going to bring them to justice. But when we do, and we do make those arrests, our expectation is that this is going to be treated with a level of seriousness that it should be, period. Don't try to bait us, mischaracterize, pit one against the other. We're not playing that. We are in a serious situation here, and we need a serious response. That's what we're saying, period. I'm not trying to bait you, Mayor. I'm just asking. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. 
She is as talented as Bill de Blasio is at twisting the truth and contorting the facts to make this anyone's fault but her own. It's almost as if there are now chief executives that get elected to say, hey, I'm going to be the chief executive of the city of Chicago, uh, the chief executive of whatever municipality or city or state or country for that matter and not take responsibility. I mean, I could see Joe Biden blaming everybody but himself when things don't go right. Now, there are instances where things are out of your control. Like when you try to throw everything you can at Trump, when there's clearly chief executives in New York and other states that drop the ball with nursing homes and things like that, you you really just honestly can't blame the deaths of these senior citizens in these nursing homes on Trump. You just can't. I mean, not in anybody's right mind could you do that. That was an executive order that was signed by Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, implemented by his health commissioner. And unless I'm proven otherwise, with the complicity or at least the tacit endorsement of the attorney general, Letitia James. No, I wouldn't do an investigation as to whether or not it's political. Everybody can make that decision for themselves. Uh, I think you'd have to be blind to realize it's not political. Uh, Just look at where it comes from and look at the sources and look at their political affiliation and look at who wrote the letter in Congress and look at what publications raise it and what media (laughs) networks raise it. It's kind of... Uh, incredible. If you want to back him up on that, you can, but I can't. There's no way in good conscience, in all truth, we cannot sit here and look at what he's saying and say, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. All of these old folks dying in nursing homes, totally Trump's fault because he shut this thing down from China and you're saying it was coming from Italy. No, bro. It just doesn't work that way. It legit doesn't work that way. Nobody forced you to put COVID positive patients into the nursing home. And I'm not trying to introduce a new topic. I was just trying to make the case of how these mayors, these governors, these chief executives in government try to skirt the blame when the buck really needs to stop with them. In terms of the federal response, Trump moved heaven and earth and got a whole lot of things done from having ships that would take six weeks and then three weeks and then they showed up in like four or five days. Hospital ships. Makeshift hospitals were set up through charitable organizations. I mean, come on. It's incomparable. It just is totally incomparable. Now, speaking of comparable versus incomparable, I have a question for you, and you can answer on social media or you can just, uh, I don't know, call me on my Saturday show. But I want to know. I want to hear from you. Who do you think created more opportunities for black men to be put in jail? Joe Biden, who co-authored the Clinton crime bill in 1994, who consequently has been in Washington for like 47 years, or Donald Trump, who signed into law the First Step Act, who's only been in Washington for three and three quarters of a year. We'll call it four years just to make it uh, fair. Trump's four years, releasing nearly 4,000 nonviolent offenders, 90 some odd percent of them being black, or Joe Biden. Let me know. I want to hear from you. At Rich Valdez on Twitter, at Rich Valdez on Parler. Make sure you check out Parler. Parler is a great place for free speech. I'm at Rich Valdez with an S. Keep it locked right there. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the 2020 election, Trump v. Biden.
what that's going to look like. And did the Democrats and never Trumpers actually plan scenarios and play war games? I think they did. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do it than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to be at the forefront of fighting and curing deadly diseases, developing and using tools and technologies the world doesn't even know exist, or defending your country, fighting disasters, and seeking adventure across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen, and so much more. The U.S. Army is a team of a million unique and powerful individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world and to win. Nowhere else on earth provides you with the training and experience and purpose you can find with the Army because no other team has so many people around the globe with the goal of making the world safer, the country stronger, and the future of their communities better. If you're looking to secure a future for you and your family, ask yourself, what's your warrior? And go to GoArmy.com to find out. Over 150 jobs, one calling. Find your future. Visit GoArmy.com slash NYC. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all social media, and we are still here. And the question on the table is, did the Democrats and Never Trumpers get together and plan this out in a strategy session like generals perform war games? Ding, 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 ding. Yes, you are correct, sir. 67 players, many of them high-profile critics of President Donald Trump, including law professors, retired military officers, former senior U.S. officials, political strategists, and attorneys. Now, this is according to USA Today News. Instead of mapping out a geopolitical conflict, the group looked ahead to the November 3rd election, which is now less than 90 days away, and explored how the race between Trump and Biden could turn into a post-election crisis. Maybe they're planning for a post-election crisis. John Podesta. Oh, boy, do we remember John Podesta, former aide to President Barack Obama and President Bill Clinton's former chief of staff and campaign manager to Hillary Clinton played Joe Biden in the exercise. Two outspoken Republican critics of Trump, David Frum and Bill Kristol, portrayed the president. After gaming out various scenarios, the group said its conclusions were alarming. In an election taking place during a pandemic and a recession, with rising political polarization, the group found a substantial risk of legal battles, a contested outcome, violent street clashes, and even a constitutional impasse. If you listened to the last episode or perhaps the one prior, I told you you should check out an episode that Mark Levin did, I believe on August 4th, that you do not want to miss because he kind of outlined all of this. He laid it all out for all of us to understand exactly how it would play out. And this could get dragged out until January 6th, the way the Constitution would handle it. They went on. The winner may not and less likely will not be known on election night as officials count mail-in ballots. So here they are. They're preparing you because they're going to use this strategy that they've been planning with mail-in votes in key places that are battlegrounds for Trump, at least Wisconsin is, Michigan is, where they'll just keep voting. They'll just keep finding these votes like they did in in Georgia, like they did in Florida. If you guys can remember that stuff just from a little while ago, when Kemp ran against Abrams and when DeSantis ran, it was a mess. The winner may not be known on election night as officials count mail-in ballots. 
This period of uncertainty provides opportunities for an unscrupulous candidate to cast doubt on the legitimacy of the process and to set up an unprecedented assault on the outcome. In the six weeks since the tabletop exercise, the group's organizers said their fears of a messy outcome have only grown. Last week, Trump floated the idea of delaying the election, though he was quickly rebuffed by both Democrats and Republicans. Now, what, what Trump did was ask a question. He used the Socratic method, and he said, I think it had three question marks on it, to delay the election. Now, some people are saying that because we're in a pandemic, that the president can, in effect, delay the election. Not sure if that's the best idea, because I don't know if it'll solve the problem of getting into these states or forcing these states through legal challenges to have in-person voting and not replace the in-person voting with mail-in voting. But back to the article, it says several states look to expand mail-in voting because of, quote, the coronavirus pandemic. And again, you've heard this time and time again. You can go to Walmart, you can go to Target, you can't go to church and you can't vote. How fair is that? And when they brought the church thing up to the Supreme Court, they took a L. They took the loss. They should have just taken a knee. John Roberts basically took a knee and bowed out of this one. Coward. So everybody on the left is just hitting Trump left, right, center, boom, 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 saying, you know what? He's not going to accept the outcome of the election. They're creating this narrative, their own story. Forget the facts. They're just going to create their own spin on this. Everybody's a podcaster now, right? Everybody's a talk radio host. They're going to give you their opinion, whether they're law professors, former officials, whatever. This is all about what they think. Forget the facts. So this 22-page report goes on to say that the Transition Integrity Project, that's the name of the group that prepared the report, warned that Trump could deploy a halt to the counting of mail-in ballots or lawsuits seeking injunctions or shutting down the U.S. Postal Service, let alone he could also order the censure and sequestration of ballots to be deemed fraudulent. They also said that there is a scenario in which Biden narrowly loses the Electoral College while winning the popular vote could lead to outrage on the left, resulting in mass protests. That sounds more like it pink vagina hats, things of that nature. So they put out basically four scenarios, one where Biden wins, one where Biden wins by a lot, one where Biden wins by a little, one where it's contested, and one where Trump wins. And all of them end, except for the Biden landslide, with violent protests and a constitutional crisis. So I guess when you say violent protest, it's no longer really a protest, right? I mean, it's a departure from peaceful protest, mostly peaceful protest, mainly peaceful protest, to civil unrest, right? Violence, riots, skirmishes, flirting with the idea of Civil War 2.0. And I got to be frank with you, that's not outside of the realm of reason. That part we don't know. And as I alluded to earlier, the analysis from the great one, the uh, end of this article talks about some of the more dire scenarios. And there's a legal battle that exploits, quote, their words, not mine, legal ambiguities in battleground states such as Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, North Carolina that have Democratic governors but Republican-controlled state legislatures, which is what it'll come down to. And those Republican legislatures will undoubtedly side with Trump and give Trump the win, even if it takes until January. But they say... Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. 
Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. If opposing state branches certified competing slates of elections, or electors, excuse me, it would lead to a situation with no precedent in modern U.S. history. That they're right. Now, they looked at the election of 1876 with what they call legal experts comparing the scenario to the 1876 election where Rutherford B. Hayes beat Democrat Samuel Tilden after both parties in three states, Florida, South Carolina, and Louisiana, initially claimed victories. Hayes emerged as the winner after he appeased Southern Democrats by agreeing to pull out federal troops from the South, ushering in the end of Reconstruction. Now, this stuff gets tricky And as the saying goes, the devil is in the details. Because under federal law, the electors meet December 14th to provide their state's votes for president and vice president. Congress then convenes on January 6th, as I mentioned that the great one pointed out. Now, the legal consultant for the War Games crew, Edward Foley, says in a situation like that, Vice President Pence would take his role as president of the Senate. He'll say that the vote is complete and Trump has been reelected. Pelosi will probably challenge that, but it's a vote that comes down to the state legislatures, not to the Speaker of the House. And of course, this article continues to point out that Trump will refuse to leave the White House. Trump will refuse. I mean, Trump doesn't have to go anywhere until the 20th of January, even if he lost. So the point that he's refusing to leave the White House, I mean, these are just false narratives. They're just trying to put it in your brain that the guy's a dictator that he's fascistic, that he's this, that, you know, when he's protecting federal property with federal officers, that he's really preparing a goon squad. I mean, the amount of lies and propaganda that comes out of the mouths of so many in the media is really astounding. And more astounding is the amount of people that actually take it as gospel truth. It's a damn shame that we have people that lack critical thinking so much so that they would believe this stuff to be true. So we're going to see how this one plays out, but I wanted to bring that to your attention. Now, keep it locked right there. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's all the hubbub going on because Trump is reaching out to Hispanic voters. Latinos for Trump. Is that wrong? Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. All right, America. My name is Rich Valdez. You're listening to This is America. And as always, I like to refer you to our good friends, our policy partners at JustFacts.com. You've heard of JustFacts before, and I'm going to tell you about them again. JustFacts, F-A-C-T-S dot com. And if you go to JustFacts.com slash rich, you can sign up for free for their policy papers. You'll get them absolutely free. And the current one they have right now on the coronavirus is one you don't want to miss. Now, check it out. We are still here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, bringing you the latest. And I can remember when the woke mob on the chat board said that John Podesta was in jail in Cuba. No less at Gitmo, of all places. Now, it amazes me how some people will believe anything. Yet here is Podesta putting together war games to take out Trump. You know, we attack the left for ignoring the Constitution. But some people think it's okay to thin out the herd. I'm talking about people that are supposed to be patriots. Some people think that it's okay to have a civil war. No, it's not okay, man. It's not. Now, I understand some of you are reacting right now saying, well, we don't want to have a civil war, but what choice do we have? I could explain so many choices that we've all had throughout the years because of our collective inaction. Now we feel like that's our only hope because we've never won an election without a civil war. Come on. 
Give me a break, por favor. We've seen this stuff happen in other countries. Matter of fact, Colombia. In Colombia, there's a story in the Wall Street Journal right now about Colombia, and it reminds me about what's happening in the United States, sadly. President Uribe, Alvaro Uribe, was jailed for being a political enemy and fighting against FARC. These are terrorists, domestic terrorists in Colombia. I believe FARC is Fuerzas Armadas Revolucionarias Colombianos. I could be wrong. But FARC had help from Bernie Sanders because those are his revolutionary peeps. And he wants to help them. Speaking of Hispanics, NBC News is reporting that Ana Navarro, she's the uh, talking head that you see on TV that claims to be a Republican. She's Nicaraguan, thick accent, but she's not really a Republican. I mean, she doesn't really have any deeply held, quote unquote, Republican beliefs. At least she's not a conservative. She's about as Republican as Michael Steele is. But anyway, NBC News is reporting that the Biden campaign will be bringing her on board to lead their uh, outreach with Latinos. <laughs> I think this one's funny because she's not, I don't know if, if Democrats are looking for a, a rhino Republican to be their leader. I mean, aren't there enough leftists that support Biden that are Hispanics that can help? It just makes you wonder, what's, what's the story here? But continuing on the theme of Hispanic voters, The Hill is, I don't want to say criticizing, but they're pointing out, to be fair, that President Trump's latest Spanish language ad equates progressives with socialists. I think that's fair. While not all Democrats are socialists, all of the socialists that we have are Democrats. Now, I know if you're thinking, no, 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 because Bernie Sanders is an independent, Rich. So you got that one wrong. I would turn to you and say, Bernie Sanders has caucused with the Democrat Party his entire career. And when he ran for the highest office in the land, he didn't run as an independent. He ran as a Democrat and he lost twice. I mean, the criticism comes on Trump no matter what he does. And I think what they like least about the president is that he kind of keeps it real and still manages to win support. Like some of the criticism I get, people say, oh my gosh, Rich, how is it? How could any Latino, how could any Hispanic ever support a guy like Donald Trump? And I think, what, what does that mean? That I'm supposed to vote the way you tell me to vote? That I'm not supposed to care about certain issues? And that's really the case. This is this one track mind brainwashing that we continuously see in so many ethnic communities, not just Hispanics. I'm looking at a headline. Op-ed, Joe Biden has a Latino voter problem. Here's how he can fix it. I'll tell you, the first way he can fix it is by not being a bigot, as we know that he is. But the article points out that even though Trump doesn't have, in their opinion, the ability to get the majority of Hispanic votes, that those are always going to go to the Democrats, which I would argue may in fact happen in this election, but will continue to shift as time goes forward because Trump has sparked a movement and it's not about Trump while he is at the forefront of it he's opened the eyes of so many to think differently to say you know what that whole spiel you gave to the African-American community of what have you got to lose give me a try it worked for a lot of Hispanics who are now homeowners who've had some of the best years they've had under Trump and they're not going to go and vote solely based on the last four or five months of coronavirus. They're just not. Some will. 
But I bump into too many people, and I'm not looking for them. And they're not necessarily conservative Republicans. I'm talking about people that once rang with gang members, people that are in no way, shape, or form political people that went to college, that worked in corporate America or in government or in academia or anything like that. Blue-collar, working-class people, many that have very humble beginnings, and they're telling me they're with Trump. Of course, that's anecdotal, but surprising nonetheless. But according to the CNBC article here, Biden's approval among young Latinos is waning. That's because they're woke, right? (laughs) Biden's support is down seven points from where he was in February. By comparison, during this time in 2016, Hillary Clinton enjoyed 73% amongst Latinos. Biden's only at 67%. Makes sense to me. Guy doesn't know where he is, let alone who he's trying to talk to. Then we move it over to Newsweek. This is an article from about three and a half weeks ago by Alfonso Aguilar. Latinos are warming up to Trump. Op-ed, check this out. Four years ago, I withdrew my support of Donald Trump's candidacy for president. I had serious doubts about his ability to appreciate the values and aspirations of Americans of Hispanic origin, and I made those gripes public. I'm paraphrasing from this article in Newsweek. After four years of the Trump presidency, I now realize how wrong I was. Again, this is by Alfonso Aguilar. He's the president of the Latino Partnership for Conservative Principles. He's also the former chief of the United States Office of Citizenship during the George W. Bush administration. Aguilar continues, President Trump has delivered major results for the Latino community and has strongly defended the values that Latinos cherish. As a result, I've become convinced, as have an increased number of Hispanics across the nation, that rather than a foe, the president is a great champion for all Latinos. The fear of Trump started to evaporate for many Latinos when they began seeing that on immigration, far from the monster that he was made out to be by the Democrats and the media, he's actually very reasonable. The debate over deferred action for childhood arrivals known as DACA opened many people's eyes to who Trump really was. DACA is the program created by Obama through executive action, which allowed children known as dreamers, illegal aliens who entered through no fault of their own, to remain in the United States without fear of deportation. After rescinding the program due to the unconstitutional manner in which it was created, he sought to find a permanent legislative fix for these individuals. In fact, he proposed giving over one million dreamers a path to citizenship. His administration worked hard to get a deal done in Congress, but Democrats refused to go along because why? Well, because the president was also requesting funding to build a wall, a border wall, a system of walls along our southern border. And they oppose that. They didn't oppose it before, but they oppose it now. Now, this wasn't lost on many Latinos that Democrats had supported the same type of border fencing in the past. It became evident to many of them that the president was being a practical deal maker, while Democrats continued to care only about keeping the issue alive to pander politically to Latinos. Trump was providing a real solution. Democrats were just demagoguing the issue. Meanwhile, Latinos noticed that despite the left's obsessive claim that Trump is somehow anti-immigrant, President Obama had deported more immigrants than Trump did at the same time in his presidency. Once again, Hispanics paid more attention to the numbers than to the rhetoric. What ended up changing the mind of many Latinos about President Trump Nevertheless, was the booming economy unleashed by his pro-growth policies. 
This led to the lowest employment rate for Latinos in history, 3.9% in September of last year. Also, the lowest rate of poverty for Latinos in this particular data point was being recorded, 18.3% in 2017. The largest year-to-date drop in poverty for a demographic group in that year. Now, while it's true that the forced economic shutdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic has erased most of this process, many Latinos will not forget that it happened and how it happened. That's why, like many other Americans, they've come to believe that the two candidates for president, the only one who can help bring about a dramatic economic recovery, that's Donald Trump. The final factor that's led me to believe that more Hispanics are embracing Trump is what the Democrats are doing. Latinos are seriously concerned about the Democrat Party's shift to the extreme left especially those whose families left Latin America, escaping massive inefficient governments and radical leftist regimes. Many are perplexed when they see Democrats propose government control of health care, doing away with private insurance, abolishing or defunding the police, radical environmental plans like the Green New Deal from AOC all out crazy. These things would eliminate millions of jobs through excessive government regulation and intervention and abortion on demand, including late-term abortion. To many, it's as if Democrats have embraced the deceased Venezuela strongman Hugo Chavez, who touted so much of socialism, is the 21st century. They're flabbergasted. Moreover, when Democrats fail to denounce, and some even encourage the radical activists who've been engaging in violence and looting across the country, destroying private property and businesses, defacing monuments, burning churches, and tearing down statues. They or their parents came to America because they knew that our system is firmly grounded in law and order. They don't want to see their cities and communities resemble Managua, Caracas, or many of the other northern towns in Mexico. At a time of great social and cultural upheaval, Latinos are seeing in Trump someone who is willing to defend everything in America that attracted their forebearers, their ancestors, a small but efficient government, a vibrant, free economy that can lift people out of poverty and grow the middle class, a state that guarantees the rule of law, not of man, and a stable society nurtured by strong families, faith, and a proud, unifying history, despite its many serious shortcomings. So Mr. Aguilar signs off with four years ago, I, like many other Hispanics, couldn't have imagined that President Trump would end up doing so much for the Latino community. It shouldn't surprise anyone, therefore, if this time around Trump receives a significantly higher percentage of Latino voter support than he did in 2016. Liberal elites who treat Hispanics as a monolithic voting community and assume they are all Democrats may not like it. But it's a fact. Latinos are warming up to Trump. I couldn't agree with that more. Well said, well put. And if you listen to this program regularly, you know, I talk about that all the time. Latinos do not have to be Democrats. Hispanics are not one big monolith. Now more than ever, I see more and more coming out either for Trump or against Biden and what Biden represents, this hard shift to the left. He's embraced Bernie as his, I don't know, his socialist czar or whatever he's calling him now with that new plan they've got. 
He's embraced AOC all out crazy as his Green New Deals are. I mean, this is laughable. It's cartoonish. Of course, she would turn around and say that only those that are crazy enough to believe they can change the world can. Fair enough. She's crazy, in my opinion. All out crazy. But the media continues to attack. They don't stop. And I mean, it's sad. It's sad. There's another article that I was looking at. I'm not going to read it to you. I don't want to put you to bed. But it's from uh, BuzzFeed. and says that Latinos are now afraid to vote. And maybe I'll get into that a little bit on the Thursday edition of This is America. As well as this Pew Research. I'm reading the first part of this Pew poll to illustrate the bias of them. And it shows how much happier... Republicans are to support Trump than Democrats are to hate him. And that's a strong tell, in my opinion. So we'll dig into those numbers uh, in the next episode. Bottom line here is the lawlessness across the country has to stop. Black Lives Matter says they're going in to help black lives, yet they've just ousted the first black woman police chief in Seattle. Lori Lightfoot is defending her position, allowing criminals to walk free. Biden is a bigot and everybody knows it. And Hispanics are not for sale. Latinos are not for sale. We're going to continue this conversation a little bit in our next episode, plus everything else that's happening. Make sure you subscribe. And before I go, I want to thank everybody. You guys have been subscribing in record number. The five-star reviews are just amazing. They really mean the world to me. As you guys leave more of them, I'll be reading some of them on the air. I shared a bunch of them on social media recently. That's at Rich Valdez on Instagram, at Rich Valdez on Twitter, at Rich Valdez on Parlor as well. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. But without you, we don't grow. Every time you tell somebody to follow the show, to subscribe to the show, we're making a difference. I do realize that unlike some of the other podcasts that you may listen to that are about inside baseball, this one is designed to be get kind of intro to be a uh, 101 to break it down to the most simplistic manner of conversation that I can. I try to do this podcast as if I'm talking to my teenage daughters so that they can take these bite-sized morsels of the truth, bite-sized morsels of information that's being fed to everybody and make sense of it on their own. So again, I cannot thank you enough. Mr. Producer and I are grateful. If you have any complaints, direct them to him at Rich Cementa. He's the one you always hear in the background. I'm kidding. You never hear him because he doesn't talk, right? Exactly. That's my point. But yes, at Rich Cement on Twitter, uh, follow him. He has great stuff all the time. And I leave you with my usual admonition. If you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. That's from Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So do something and get ready. Because it's your job to hold politicians accountable. You are we the people, and it is the people's job to hold politicians accountable, not the job of other politicians. Hasta la próxima, America. Until the next time, America. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America.
Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.